Well, happy Thanksgiving, church. In uh, 1863, Abraham Lincoln decreed a national Thanksgiving Day. And so we set aside the fourth Thursday of November for a day of thanks. And I hope you've had a great Thanksgiving Day and also the, uh, the day since and this, this weekend. I can't speak for you, but it is, I think, my favorite holiday. And I suppose it's made all the better by the fact that my birthday falls on Thanksgiving every few years. But one thing about Thanksgiving is it invites an inventory of the gratitude, genuine thanks, and generosity in our lives. I need to do that inventory from time to time. And particularly, what a difficult year it has been. And I know that there are a lot of circumstances that are weighing on your gratitude scale, even today, bringing it down. So I want to explore one question this morning. How can you be thankful when things are difficult? Israel was on a bad slide, and they, uh, it was a slide that was carrying them away from God in many ways, and away from God's laws and God's plan for them. And they tried to turn it around through a reform-minded good king named Josiah. And it looked like it was taking traction for a while, and he did some good for the country, but then he was killed. And shortly after, the nation of Israel slid back into sin and a way of life that, that didn't please God. And idolatry, that is, they put other things before God. And then early in the reign of Jehoiakim, who was a godless king, there was this acceleration of Judah's destruction. And in that context, Habakkuk the prophet comes along. While the nation was falling apart, Habakkuk registers two complaints, but he registers them against God. And I want us to see those this morning, because at first it looks like he had a pretty severe complaining spirit. And it says in chapter 1, in verses 2 through 4 of Habakkuk, How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, Violence! But you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. And justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. We can hear the cry in Habakkuk's heart his complaint against God, and all of the ways that his gratitude scale was heavily weighed down. 
He struggles with God's silence and God's unwillingness to judge Israel. And Habakkuk conveys that he'd been praying about this for a long time. And the world had not gotten any better. It was just not fair. And injustice was everywhere. And and, and it's as if he's saying, God, you don't seem to care. Why are you sitting on the sidelines while evil is winning? And so the Lord answers him, and what seems normal for God so often in Scripture is maddening for us. And no surprise, I suppose, it happens this time. God does not answer Habakkuk in the way that Habakkuk thought that he should. God, in essence, says to him, Now watch and be amazed. I am going to hand you over to the despicable Babylonians. Now if you'd like to hear the full measure of God's response, you might read it in chapter 1 and uh, verses 5 through 11. I just want to read two verses. Verse 5 says, this is what this is God speaking his response to Habakkuk. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people. Well, by the time the Babylon was done with the land of uh, Judah, the Babylonians were done with the land of Judah, there wouldn't be much left. Uh, Buildings were destroyed, treasures were plundered, farms and orchards devastated. There are very few reasons the Israelites might say, for gratitude. When the the Babylonians occupy the land and everything that is green, everything, all kinds of vegetation and crops are wiped out, animals vanish, and the Judeans run to the hills in search of hiding places. Many are captured and die. So this situation raises the second complaint by Habakkuk, And this is summarized in one verse, in chapter 1 and verse 13. He says, Lord, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous, meaning these Babylonians? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. In other words, we might be bad, but the Babylonians are worse than us. Lord, this isn't making sense. Why do you hold back as this evil nation terrorizes us? And how can it be justice to punish us through even a more corrupt nation? Well, I don't know how long Habakkuk had to wait for his answer, But God answers in chapter 2, in verses 2 through 20, in two different ways. And first, he reassures Habakkuk that the Babylonians, too, will be destroyed. Evil catches up with itself. Boy, didn't we hear that and learn that again in the message in 2 Peter the last few weeks. And then he says... Secondly, that God's character lasts forever. 
and that God may be silent for a time, but, but never forever. And as Habakkuk works through his discouragement and his frustration and his doubt, something happens. And he gets a glimpse of God's splendor. And he begins to see his life in light of God's magnificence. And there are two wonderful, wonderful verses in God's response that reveal uh, this splendor that are very more profound than Habakkuk's complaints. Let's put it that way. The first is in chapter 2 and verse 14. And I want us to read this text. It says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Can you imagine this church? Can you imagine the knowledge of the glory of the Lord filling the earth and this being a promise that God makes to his people? And, and that knowledge is going to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. The waters and the sea are synonymous. The sea is made of water. The glory of the Lord, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fills the earth. And then in chapter 2 and verse 20, another verse that we are familiar with that might speak to us and speak to our hearts this morning as a response to Habakkuk's complaint. The text says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. So two wonderful texts, 2.14 and 2.20. And then chapter 3, the last chapter of this three-chapter book, we see Habakkuk praying. After he's come both to complain and hear a response from God, complain and hear another response from God, he prays in chapter 3 in verse 2. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. And I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And this chapter, then, is a beautiful and breathtaking response to God as he describes his confidence that God is going to work things out. And in his prayer, he recognizes a world where many things go wrong. And in this case, virtually everything. Verse 17 says this. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, and the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, and there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. You see, circumstances are tough, and there are many, many reasons not to give thanks. And then Habakkuk in his prayer sees the Lord in his greatness. And verse 18 and 19. 
Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. You see this massive transition that Habakkuk makes? And it is a transition of faith. That is, he makes a shift from thankfulness that is dependent on his circumstances to a thankfulness because God is good. That God is on the throne. That God is king. That God is working out his divine purposes for his people. And that's what it means to live by faith. That's what it means for us to put our trust in God is even when we are in pain, even when the circumstances are set against us, even when we might feel there's a lot of reasons not to be grateful, we find ourselves relying on the goodness of our God. Do you know what Habakkuk's name means? One who embraces or clings. You see, he holds on to God for dear life. And we see it here in chapter 3 in this prayer. His name shows how close he trusted in his God. Enough to thank him in his deepest distress. So our original question was this. How can you be thankful when things are difficult? Well, if we look at the book of Habakkuk, we would say, pray for a spirit of thanks, as Habakkuk does. I also want to suggest that we decouple two things. I would suggest or recommend, as we see here, that that we decouple your well-being from your circumstances. Or maybe another way of saying it is, make the move from conditional thanks to unconditional thanks. Or even said another way, that we move your source of joy from the situation you find yourself in to your Savior. You see, the scripture is clear. Paul repeats this idea in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. And many of you could quote it to me this morning. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now notice the verse does not tell us to give thanks for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. You see, evil and injustice and cruelty, they exist every day in this world, and we are never asked to give thanks for immoral or sinful circumstances but to give thanks in them. Now, I'd like to be the first to admit that I have not mastered 
this. In fact, in reviewing, just look, doing a little bit of inventory, I realized that for years I have tolerated ingratitude in my own life. And sometimes, in fact, I've fostered a habit, a bad habit of a spirit of grumbling. Anything but a spirit of thanks. So in some ways, I want to say to Habakkuk and then to Paul, really? Really, Habakkuk? And both Habakkuk's prayer and Paul's admonition sometimes seem out of sight. It is difficult. And I believe it is a powerful secret to a genius life that is to a really wise and spiritual person to be able to move beyond our circumstances to finding our identity in God's very being. That that's where our identity and our attitudes and our outlook are to come from, not tied to our circumstances. So let me finish this morning simply with the prayer, once again, 17 through 19, but this time from the message version. It is both poetic and profound. And may it be the meditation of your heart this week. Though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, though the apples are worm-eaten and the wheat field stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless, and the cattle barns empty. I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God. Counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm the king of the mountain. Praise be to God in this day.